goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome to your Wednesday Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you would like to be part of the program today, 800-848-WABC is the number to call. 800-848-9222. Again, more news than we have time for in this hour, but we will get to as many stories as we can. The things that affect your life affect this country. Also, your calls are very, very welcome. We will get to as many of those as we can. Uh, one of the biggest uh, pharmacies across America, CVS, is saying they are now going to close 900 stores by the end of next year. 10% of all the CVS locations across however they are going to choose to do it, and I have a funny feeling, I know how that they're going to do it, but... They're going to close 10% of their retail locations. The announcement says that they're going to undergo a new retail footprint strategy. What does that mean? That means quite simply, in everyday language, CVS is tired of underwriting theft. So many people are coming into so many locations in CVS stores across this country and stealing stuff that it doesn't make any sense for them to stay open. They can't afford the losses. And so they're going to close the stores. That's simple. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. In many communities across this country, Finding basic things is impossible. You have to go outside of your community to find them. Well, not if you live in a middle-class community that doesn't have the kind of crime problems that some of these other communities have. Why, you'll find everything. Want to go to a nice restaurant? It's there. Want to go to a nice drugstore? You have your choice, two or three. You want to go to a dry cleaners? It's there. Whatever you want in your neighborhood. And if it's not there, it'll be there because retailers are always trying to find a great place that they can do business. In the absence of some of these stores, liberals, the left in our country, have names. You can't find great grocery stores. You can't find great places to find quality food items, they say. 
why you live in a food desert. As if the desert just came by itself and materialized. <gasps> There's a desert. It's a food desert. You can't find good stores. Pretty soon they'll be saying there's a there's a pharmacy desert. There's a drug desert. Well, in, in one sense. Because these retailers, the desert is there because so many criminals live in the neighborhood. The desert is there because it doesn't make economic sense for people to stay open. The desert is there. They complain that there are places where you can't get to an ATM machine. You know why you can't get to an ATM machine in certain neighborhoods? Because the people that use the ATM machine will be robbed. And, in fact, you've seen pictures of this. You've seen video of this. People backing up trucks, lassoing like they're in the Old West, an ATM machine, and taking it out. This is what happens when you give in to the left. This is what happens when you say, okay, we are not going to prosecute shoplifting anymore because people of color are disproportionately affected, which was the rationale behind a lot of this nonsense that the Soros prosecutors, those funded by the left, this is the nonsense that they spewed. In fact, James Carville was on uh, the Bill Maher show. And he said far-left Democrats, he, he used a lot of language that I cannot use on this program. But James Carville mocked the far-left wing of the Democrat Party, called him stupid and naive. Says, I, this is from a Democrat. This is Demo- Democrat James Carville. He says, I find the left to be just annoying. The Western far left is habitually the most stupid, naive people you can imagine. They come up with these really goofy constructs. And it's all about feeling good about yourself. Bill Maher agreed with him, and he he criticized uh, progressives for demanding that society cater to their feelings. If your feelings are hurt, that's more important than free speech. Carwell said that he found these people annoying and silly after Bill Maher had mocked the notion that men can get pregnant. Now, that usually calls for an outburst from the left. And he said most people don't even know what they're talking about. The identity identity left, that's what he's calling them, the identity left are silly. They're not evil. They're just goofy. And he went on. He said what happened is overeducated coastal white people got a hold of the word woke, he's talking about. And like they do with everything else, they completely effed it up and ticked, I'm using another word than his, and ticked everybody in the country off. He said if we could just get the humanities faculty at Amherst College to shut the F up, we'd be a lot better off. Well, that's where these notions come from, the the progressive far left. That, oh, it's people of color that are just trying to feed their families. And, and so we have to stop prosecuting shoplifting 
up to, let's say, 900 600 the, the dollar figure varies depending on where you live. And they did it. And now what has spawned as a result are nationwide organized shoplifting sprees. And then you have individuals who see this. They see everybody else walking out of stores with stuff and not being prosecuted. And if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. And now let's connect the dots to all of that, which stems from these liberal ideas. Now you have major retailers like CVS saying, you know what, we can't deal with this theft anymore. We're just going to close the stores. Uh, Do you think for one minute that they are going to close the stores, let's say, if there is, and I'm not sure there is one, just for an example. Let's say, do you think they're going to close the CVS over in Scarsdale? Uh-uh. You think they're going to close the, the, the CVS that's doing bang-up business out in Forest Hills? Or or maybe some of the other Jamaica states, or, or if there is one, do you think they're going to go to some of the areas in the city that are the toniest? Although... In Midtown, one of the one of the uh, upscale locations did, uh, one of the retailers did close recently because they were being hit with theft. But for the most part, when you start talking about neighborhoods, they're going to be neighborhoods where the criminals roam. They get out of jail because the left doesn't want them to spend time in jail. Poor little criminals might have their feelings hurt if they have to spend too much time in jail, so they let them out. Poor little criminals can't afford bail, so let them out without paying it. Poor little criminals shouldn't have to really, you know, they're they're oppressed by the colonizers, so let them out. And now you connect the dots all the way through. Now you have major retailers saying, you know what, we can't do business like this. We're not going to do business like this. We're going to leave. And next, you'll have the same liberals complaining that these neighborhoods where there are no good retailers left, oh, my gosh, look what they've done to this neighborhood. They've created a desert where people can't find quality stuff. Did it to yourself. Right before the show started, uh, John Katzmatidi sent me a story that I had not seen, and thank you, John. Um, Senator Roger Marshall is pitching a resolution declaring the U.S. southern border is officially and formally an invasion. Senator, this is not some congressman with the wild hair up his butt. This is a United States senator. A resolution will be brought in the United States Senate to declare a formal invasion of the United States of America at the U.S.-Mexican border as the number of illegal crossings reaches a new high under the Biden administration. Since our own commander-in-chief won't put a stop to this historic crisis, an invasion as defined by the United States Constitution, Congress must recognize each state's right to secure their borders themselves. And this will be huge if this is accepted. If we have a formal invasion, a constitutionally recognized invasion, this is huge. This means that the governors of the states can do what Joe Biden won't do, 
take control of the situation, and this is what Governor Abbott has been trying to do in Texas, and stop this. This could be a turning point if it is accepted by, now remember, the Senate is primarily Democrat-led. It is Democrat-led. So you would have to, in order for this resolution to be adopted, you would have to have a number of Democrat senators sign on to it, and they are aware of the implications, especially in an election year. So we shall see where this one goes. Democrat Governor Kathy Hochul calling on an additional National Guard presence. She's going to bring in 150 National Guard members to help control the migrant surge here in New York City. Todd Benzman has a story today. We'll get to that. But in New York, I want you to understand something. When you complain about the lack of resources that are being devoted toward whatever problem you have, that the government is supposed to be involved in, and, and you, you, well, we don't have the money to deal with that right now. New York is preparing to spend $1.365 billion for hotel spaces to contain emergency migrant shelters. Even some Democrats in this city are upset with this. It would be a three-year contract, and that's adding to the cost. It is a revised budget. Today, earlier today, a Staten Island judge ordered New York City to stop using a former Catholic school, the John St. John Villa Academy in Staten Island, as a shelter. What did New York do? It immediately vowed to repeal the decision. One of Eric Adams' representatives says it threatens to disrupt efforts to manage this national humanitarian crisis. One of the residents by there says that he is now smelling raw sewage from his home nearby. Of course, the people that are affected by this in the neighborhood are the last ones that usually have their voices heard. Elon Musk said he's going to Eagle Pass, Texas later in this week. Well, Elon, if you do that, you'll be doing a lot more than our so-called border czar, Kamala Harris, has done. There's a new poll, by the way, about Kamala. Let me pull that up. Let me find that story real quick. Here's the headline. It's a Daily Mail poll. Kamala Harris is viewed as the worst vice president in decades, according to an exclusive poll for the Daily Mail. Some 40% of respondents placed her ahead of Republicans Mike Pence and Dick Cheney as the worst. (laughs) Really? When asked to pick a word to summarize the vice president, respondents picked incompetent far ahead of complimentary words like smart and strong. If that's not clear enough, almost half the 1,000 people surveyed said Biden should swap out his running mate in 2024 
27% of Democrats, a quarter of black respondents, say Harris ought to go. Elon Musk, as I was saying before, on his way down to Eagle Pass later this week, says he's going to find out for himself the situation amid Joe Biden's shambolic handling of the border. 11,000 people every day coming across. There's another picture of a train. People all on top of this long train. It looks like something out of India or something out of Bangladesh where it's common for people to ride on top of train on the way here. Not stopping. We have shutdown news. Shutdown is drawing closer, so of course, the hype is growing. I didn't know until today. That sounds like something out of a Godfather movie. What I didn't realize until today. What I didn't know until today was the extent of the school loan deal and how federal workers, how many federal workers are taking student loans. One of the stories about the panic is, oh, no, what happens with the student loans if the government shuts down? We'll get to that. We'll get to a lot of other stuff. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly. WABC Talk Radio 77. Big day in music, as there always is. Here on W. Oh! Oh! Not a music story, but kind of related. That almost sounds like Michael McDonald. That's because it is. I like Michael McDonald. This is a there was a story. Okay. That's because Sharon Porter, the American bassist, guitarist, singer, member of the Doobie Brothers from 72 to 80, 87 to 92, has a birthday today. Coming back. Oh, the, the story. There is a huge story. I forgot which newspaper it is about how awful life is in Gary, Indiana. And the first thing I thought about when a Gary, Indiana, why that's where the Jacksons are from. Yeah, huge story about how Gary is like one of the worst cities ever. Coming back on WABC, don't go away. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. 
The Rush Hour is on the air. Attention Ditto Heads. Attention Bo Scouts. Rush. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Heavenly birthday today for Olivia Newton-John, British-born Australian singer and actress, Olivia Newton-John. In 1981, this one, considered by, I think it was Billboard did that, it may have been Billboard, if not, forgive me, Billboard, the sexiest song, and like this was number the up there in the charts, and the listeners to this program on Saturday, we started putting together our own sexiest song list, because this is not. What's the Saturday sexiest song? We haven't come up with the winner, but I mean, it was like, no, 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 no. This is not. This is a nice song, but it's not the sexiest song ever. It's a little too upbeat to be sexy, you know? Yeah. I had a lot of response from the opening monologue. Lisa, who has spent her career in banking, said, you know, when a bank experiences a bad situation in a distressed area, the government may give them a bad rating, which often prevents them from closing under Clinton's Community Reinvestment Act. And that is, oh, oh, you talk about a piece of legislation that did a lot of harm. The Community Reinvestment Act. They always name these things, the left does, that are treacherous. They always put such pretty names on them. I least I wonder if the government is going to step in and do the same with all these corporations, many of whom are woke and support liberal laws that are now imploding? <laughs> Good question. And Rhonda asked me if, uh, don't these people see the causes and effect of their policies? That, Rhonda, is a question I used to ask Rush all the time. And his answer, no matter how he answered me, I'd still come back and ask him the question. Don't they see what they are doing to this country? Yes, they see it. Now, I understand our very own Philip, who is our fashion expert here. For some reason, he has on some odd piece of sports uh, paraphernalia jersey today. I don't quite understand the reasoning behind that. But I understand uh, that Philip is also a geography nut and knows a lot about geography. And so when I said Gary, Indiana, was in the paper as me, you raised your hand up. What is what have what do you what can you tell us, Philip, about Gary, Indiana? I wouldn't consider myself a geography nerd. I just watch videos when he I'm is bored a geography nerd. Okay, but um, I just know Gary. And listen, in the geography community, Gary ended Gary, Indiana, is a hotbed for uh, some criticism. It's like pretty commonly known as like one of the worst cities in the country. It's real estate markets destroyed. You could buy houses there for like ten dollars or property for like ten dollars. Uh, it's crime rated, and there's nothing to do, and it's pretty much like a ghost town. It's A lot of it's abandoned. Okay, now, here's the headline. Uh, the brutal reality of life in America's most miserable city. Residents of Gary, Indiana, former murder capital of the U.S., lay bare horrifying tales of poverty and crime, admitting They're scared to walk in the streets over fear of being robbed or shot. That that whole paragraph is a headline. 
A travel blogger has captured the stark realities of what it's like to live in Gary, Indiana, a city that has the country's lowest life expectancy and one of the highest homicide rates. And this story goes on and on. He speaks with people described as being terrified to walk down the streets, being out at night. And he showcased an array of decaying buildings, abandoned homes, raising the question of how the once bustling city that was home to over 200,000 people turned into a vessel of drugs, violence, and murder, which now has a population of only 69,000. And I keep saying that until we fix the problem of American cities, we're not going to fix America. This is a very long story, won't go through it all, but it is really, really, when you, and and they say in the story, they mention the Jacksons, the most notoriety they have is because it, of course, was the hometown of the Jacksons, but it has totally deteriorated. Yeah, well, look at the pictures we see coming out of Philadelphia. Look at the pictures we see coming out of San Francisco. Look at the pictures we see coming out of Detroit. This is Democrat, liberal, progressive policy on steroids. And I don't know how this is not and is not a central issue in the 2024 presidential elections. Got to stop. Coming back. Your call is coming up, too. I'm going to deal with the immigration stack a little bit. WABC Talk Radio 77. Brian Ferry. This is Brian Ferry. The English uh, songwriter and singer. Hit singles, Street Life, Lug is a Drug, Dance Away, Angel Eyes, Jealous Guy, Avalon. It's his birthday today on WABC. Hmm? When was he born? 1945. Wow. Why is the year 1945 significant? Diego. Well, it's significant because that's when World War II ended. Also, that, yeah. Oh, I made a big mistake, and one of our listeners sent me uh, about it. Uh, I said the other day that Julio Iglesias was in the, um, you know, that trio of opera singers. He wasn't. Oops. Oof. Yeah, it was uh, Placido Domingo that was in the three tenors. Not, and I and thank you for the for the correction. Coming back right after this, don't go away. Rush. It's the rush hour with those nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, this day, two thousand three, Robert Palmer. And boy, do I love Robert Palmer. I have everything that he did in power when he was with Power Station and with a single artist, Duran Duran. Well, sad day on this day, 2003, Robert Palmer died of a heart attack, age 54 years old. He was in Paris at the time. I remember when that happened, and I was shocked. I think Robert Palmer has, when I think of music video, the first video that ever comes to mind is 
a lot of people said, okay, Michael Jackson busted the doors open for music video, and he did with Thriller. But if you had to go with another one, the video for Simply Irresistible with the girl with the young ladies in the black dresses has to be one of the best music videos ever made and he did so many songs over it what a great songwriter anyway what a loss robert palmer on this day in 2003, left us. WABC. Okay, the um, we're going to get to your calls as soon as we can. Todd Benzman has an amazing article today. And here it is. Let me just break it down to you like this. New records show Biden's DHS accepting 99.97% of recent aliens applying for entry using the CPB1. Now, this is this one-stop application, this app that the Biden administration is using so that people can apply for entry from wherever they are. And they told us at the time that it would be vetted. Oh, yeah, we're going to vet people. We're going to do whatever. And Todd Benzman has a great article. You can find it at the Center for Immigration Studies.org today. The rates of approval. 99.97. What does that say? It says, of course, that nobody's vetting these people. Nobody's vetting anybody. Number one, we don't have the resources to vet the sheer numbers of people coming in here. The amnesty program, I have been railing about this for a year, and forgive me if I say it over and over again and to the point of ad nauseum. The the, the, asylum program is a sham. There is nothing about it that is being run properly. People are not being vetted through. The United Nations and two and one, at least one other religious group, are abusing it to help. And and that came from reporting that Todd Benzman did from Mexico last year. So the whole thing is a farce. No one is vetting anybody. Joe Biden was out in Michigan, spent 15 minutes with the auto workers today. Unions built the middle class, blah, blah, blah. And he's, according to his press secretary, the demand, uh, uh, press secretary demanding, demanding that they get their fair share from the automakers. No one there is addressing the fact that Joe Biden is also pushing this EV mandate on America, and that is one of the things that has these auto workers afraid that they are going to lose their jobs. Further out in California, Newsom, who's supposed to be debating Ron DeSantis. I don't know. I don't even know if I want to watch that debate. Speaking of debates, excuse me, stream of consciousness, the debates are tomorrow. Are you going to watch them? Are you looking forward to them? Asa Hutchison is not going to be part of it. The other seven will be. Donald Trump will not be there. Are you going to watch? Is there anticipation over this next coming debate? 
Gavin Newsom has signed a law barring the removal of LGBTQ books from schools. Hmm. School boards, including some of those like in Temecula, well, they say, you know what, some of these books are pornography. We're not going to put them in here. Well, Gavin Newsom says you will. This is how he's using his power as governor. I mentioned this earlier, big story in Newsweek today. In less than a week, the government will halt operations if Kevin McCarthy is unable to convince a group of far-right-wing members in his caucus to move forward and, you know, basically give money for everything, including the Ukraine war effort. And the headline here, student loans on a collision course with government shutdown. Oh, no, if you have a student loan... The government, and during the, there's another story in Politico about this too. And that story in Politico laid bare how many government employees have student loans and how this could affect them. And I bet you didn't know this. A lot of your staffers on Capitol Hill also have a benefit where you, the taxpayer, are paying a certain amount of their student loans. You see how this works? I never realized that until today, we're paying for the student loans of these government staffers. Yeah. And so now all of us are supposed to just cry in our soup because if there is a shutdown, oh no, oh no, the poor student loan people are not going to have theirs. They always try to scare you with Social Security. These evil Republicans are going to take away Social Security from American seniors. There's an NBC news story today, and to me the headline is clickbait. What happens to Social Security payments if the government shuts down? Well, they know what happens. They could have just told you in the headline. Nothing will happen to your Social Security payments because that's, if you look inside the story, that's what they're telling you. Nothing will happen to Social Security if there is a government shutdown. Your Social Security's check will still be on the way to you. They could have put that in the headline, save you the bother of reading the story, like I just did. But no, what happens to Social Security if the government shuts down? A shutdown could happen on October 1st if a new funding bill isn't passed and signed. Here's how it would affect Social Security and other... Just tell us how. It won't affect your Social Security. Next story, shutdown. Moderate Republicans plot last-ditch shutdown plan with Democrats. I told you, er, this is one of the values of listening to this program, Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour. I give you the heads up on stuff at least a week before it makes it into the mainstream news. I told you last week. Yes, I did. Yes, so I did. Oh, I mentioned it was brilliant. Oh, I actually said it last week quite brilliantly. Oh, I said, what's going to happen here, you see, is if these Republicans insist that they actually want to do some fiscally responsible things, then the moderate Republicans are going to get mad. The moderate Republicans are going to say, no, we don't want them to actually, let's, let's continue to spend money. I don't like to say this because this is a terrible cliche, but you know the cliche, and it makes a point. Let's spend money like drunken sailors. 
I don't know where that, that cliche originated from. doesn't matter. And I said then, I said, yes, I did. I said that Republicans would rather work with Democrats than work with their fellow conservative Republicans. I said it. Here's the headline today. Moderate Republicans plot latch ditch shutdown plan with Democrats. At least three Republicans, Representative Mike Lawler, New York. This guy is so arrogant. It's unbelievable. This Lawler guy. I'd love to interview him one day. Don Bacon, Nebraska, and Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania. Boy, you poor people in Pennsylvania. <sighs> Have it, there's another story, stream of consciousness story. We go off topic. Fetterman is saying he's not all there. He, he really is still struggling. Gee, didn't we know that? Okay, back to this one. These three Republicans have expressed an openness to join Democrats in signing a discharge petition, a mechanism to force a vote on a measure against the wishes of the Speaker. They call themselves the Problem Solvers Caucus. Yeah, right. Anyway, they want to work with the Democrats to figure it all out. And to these groups of moderates, Republican conservatives are the enemy, not the Democrats. Let's see. Okay, we already covered the debate. I want to know if you are going to watch. Oh, they're afraid afraid of Menendez. The Menendez sphere continues. Politico. Bob Menendez's defiance could be an electoral nightmare for Democrats. Bob Menendez won't resign. Damn him. And it's giving some of his fellow Democrats nightmares. The senator's refusal to step down despite a scathing federal corruption indictment, which could land him in prison for decades, is making New Jersey Democrats up for re-election next month jittery. Ooh, this is an opportunity. Hey, Republicans in New Jersey, the Democrats are afraid that you might link them to Bob Menendez. Hint, hint. They're afraid that you might talk about the corruption that the Democrat Party is involved in and use Bob Menendez as an example in the off-year elections this next month. Hint, hint. As Democrats try to exploit former President Donald Trump's own legal troubles, including three separate indictments, the case against Menendez risks muddying their message and could drag down the electoral process of other Senate Democrats and even President Joe Biden. So, Cory Booker was the latest, Spartacus from New Jersey, was the latest to demand that uh, that uh, Menendez get out. Never mind due process. Never mind. He said he's going to fight the charges, make his best defense. Never mind all that. Just get out. Now you see why. They're worried. Time for us to check in with Lou Dobbs. Coming back, your phone calls. This hour goes by fast. The fastest one hour in media history. Number one in New York. Number one in New York. Number one in the United States. In 1987. 
the angelic voice of New Jersey's own Whitney Houston. Didn't we almost have it all? Yeah. On WABC, your calls are coming up. Checking in with Lou Dobbs. Keep it right here. This is The Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Team 64. Roy Orbison started three weeks at number one with this one, the iconic Pretty Woman. Oh, Pretty Woman. Inspired by his wife, Claudette. Oh, pretty woman. Okay, you know what? Also today in history, and this does relate, 1928, September 26, in Chicago, the new Galvin Manufacturing Company, which had just incorporated the day before, began work. Two years later, they introduced the Motorola radio, the first mass-produced commercial car radio. The name two parts, motor, evoke cars in motion. Ola, derived from the old Victrola, supposed to make people think of music, Motorola. And if you go through the history of this, these two guys that started this, Paul Galvin and Edward Stewart, failure after failure after failure, in business together. I, I don't have time to run through their in, incredible history. But then they turned their attention to the car radio business. Came up with the car radio, and the rest is, as they say, history. All right. Yeah, I know what it's time for. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, presents Rapid Phones. And we start today's Rapid Phones with Isabel in Long Island. How are you, Isabel? Hi, James. How are you? James, I agree with you about Robert Palmer in the video. I love it. But real quick, James, about those CVS and all those other stores that are closing. A lot of politicians, because I, I used to live in South Jamaica, I grew up in South Jamaica, Queens, they fought for these retailers to come in into the neighborhood. And then when this happened in 2020 and all this looting happened, nobody came to the aid of those retailers. They went up. So now those same now those same constituents are going to be suffering because nobody came to to the rescue of the retailers. They cut back on on the police. Nobody can do anything. So guess what? Now we're going to have a desert again in in South Jamaica, Queens, whatever other neighborhood we have in in New York City and around the country. That's what. Well, are you near the? It's not are just, you near? Mm-hmm. Are you near the forty projects over there? Yes, I, I, I grew up over there. You grew up in <laughs> I forty. Pro- anymore, I used to. But... <laughs> my first real job, real job, bringing real money. I worked on the janitorial staff during the summer when I was still a teenager at Forty Projects. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. We we I was afraid to even pass by the forty project because I didn't want to get shot at. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Isabel, you have nailed it. I am so happy you listened here and thank you for that very informative call. You have nailed it. These retailers were left deserted. Thank you. Neil in Brooklyn, New York. You're up next. How are you, Neil? Hey Bo, how you doing? Good. You had Malcolm X or we said it right. He said and liberals a threat to the black folks. You had Antifa, the white communists, and Black Lives Matter, those communists also. They were the ones burning down the CVSs and the Rite Aids in major cities. I don't want to mention his last name, but his first name is Joe. Him and his friends in the Communist Party were bailing out these people at that time. This man has been committing treason since day one that he got in office. I don't know how we got to get rid of him, but we should be getting rid of him before an election. And Bobby's as guilty as sin. And I didn't vote for Eric because he's a communist also. And you never mentioned John Entwistle, the ox from. Uh... We have an hour, my friend. I can't mention everybody, but I'll try. Anyway, thank you so much. Appreciate that call. Let's go to uh, Robert in Brooklyn, New York. Robert, you're up next. Hi, uh... Um, you know, Donald Trump on Sunday night, about 9.22 p.m. at night, he, on his truth account, he mentioned that our country is being systematically destroyed by the radical left Marxists, fascists, and thugs, the Democrats. Unless you get everything, shut it down, close the border, stop the weaponization of justice, and end election interference. We must have honest elections. It's time Republicans learn how to fight. End of quote. And as for what you said about the discharge position, well, let them play their bluff. Then they should play all these Republicans who stab the MAGA Republicans in the back because this is ridiculous. They're elected to try to defend. They can't even defend the border. We're being invaded. They should not even be negotiating unless Biden closes down the border. He should go to Mexico and tell them the 28,000 people on the border and stop us from being invaded. Well, if we get that story that John sent earlier, let me tell you, that is an important story because if. If we, that resolution is able to pass through the Senate, it will mark a turning point in the way that this government, with the way state governments can respond legally to what is happening at the borders. Let us keep our eyes on that one. Rick, Elmwood Park, New Jersey. Got to make it quick. James, I think we should start calling electric vehicles child slave labor, battery-powered death machines. And also, I uh, got a visit from Bob Barker's ghost last night. He said, forget about what I said about the dogs and cats. Spay and neuter the Democrats now. Goodness me. Spay and neuter. De- uh, I, I'm not going to address it. Thank you for your call. Kelly in Westchester. <laughs> Kelly in Westchester. <laughs> you on rapid phones. How are you, Kelly? You hear- Good. Did you hear the story about the building in Riverdale in the Bronx? That Manhattan College sold it was their um, off-campus housing. They sold the building, and now they want to put migrants in there. The person who mm. bought it now wants to put migrants in there. This building is directly across from where these students, these young women and young men, frequently pass back and forth constantly during the day and night. Thank you, Kelly. That's it for today's Rush Hour. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you, your family, your loved ones. Love, gratitude for you being here and for allowing me to be with you every day. God willing, back tomorrow, we'll do it again. Bye. 
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.